Good morning. How's everybody doing? All right. Um, if you can join me in Mark chapter 10, we'll be in verse uh, 32 to 52. Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them. And they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the twelve aside again and and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. They will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And the third day he will raise, rise again. Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left hand in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say to him, We are able. So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized. With you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it is far for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard this, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself, and he said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentile Lord, Lord is over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slaves of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life and ransom for many. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood tall, stood still, and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, said to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day, Lord God, and I just thank thank you, Lord, for bringing everybody here today, Lord God, and I just pray uh, anointing on Jackie today, Lord God. I just pray that uh, all ears will be open and all hearts will be open, Lord God, and just... uh, Allow us all to receive your word, Lord. Allow us to uh, live your words, 
Lord God, I just pray that you watch over us all and lead us down your path of righteousness, Lord God. As it was said earlier, Lord God, let us love our neighbors. And uh, give us the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, to go out and make disciples of all men to all nations, Lord God. I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's sign language, in case you guys didn't get it. That was kill the mic. Um, last couple of weeks, we've been talking about living our lives uh, with consistency. That we live who we are. We don't just go through the motions. Probably one of the biggest problems that we see really in our communities and in our nation and in our world today is, is people that don't live consistently with what they say they believe. Being real about who we are and who we're expected to be. And then doing what Jesus is asking us to do. And and one of the great things that we're going to see in our text this morning is uh, just Jesus laying out for us. What does it require to walk the path of consistency? Jesus has told us a number of times, but we oftentimes, like the disciples, don't hear it. He has told us. You must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. you got to follow me. And somewhere along the line, we simplified the message to the point where we have become uh, not able to affect our surroundings. See, Jesus said that he called us to be light and salt. And when you think about light and salt, what does light and salt do to the surroundings? If I turn a light on in the darkness, what happened? Does everybody know what's going on? What about I make a cake and I decide to use salt instead of sugar? You know what happened? You're not going to go, ooh, something slightly different. No, you're going, oh, well, give me something to drink. And the point, when when Jesus lays out that concept for us, that light, it drives out the darkness. It affects its environment. That salt affects its environment, right? If you put salt in something, you know you got salt in it. So what is it that Jesus is saying? He's saying that you, as my disciples, affect your environment. Just like a light in a dark room. Or just like putting salt in something. There's an effect that has taken place. And when we live our lives consistently with what the Lord Jesus Christ is calling us to, then that is what we are in our environment. That's what we are to other people. So as we look, He's laying out for us in this section the the path to consistent living. What does a path to consistent living look like? It is the path to suffering. That's why people don't want to take it. That's the first thing Jesus talks about. We look in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. It says, now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. So Jesus is headed to die. He's going to the cross. We're, we got the cross in just a few weeks. Now they were on the road going to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed. So Jesus is leading them. 
the, 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 the whole group, they've been making the circle through the Decapolis. They've been healing. They've been ministering. Jesus has been teaching. But now Jesus' mind, his eyes are focused on the cross. And he has turned his face like flint toward Jerusalem. And now he's leading the disciples. Hey guys, come on. It's time to go. He has a particular date to make. In fact, he has a particular day to arrive. We'll talk about that next week. He, uh, precisely when the prophet said, Messiah would walk into Jerusalem, Jesus walks in. And, and is proclaimed as Messiah. On that day. If you, O oh Jerusalem, had known the things that make for your peace on this, your day. The day that the Lord had made. Specific time. So Jesus has turned. And the disciples are amazed. They're like, man, we've never seen Jesus like this. He's focused. He's going. He's headed someplace. And so the scripture lays out for us. They're amazed and they're a little freaked out. Right? And they followed him and they were afraid. Something changed. Something's different. Something's different. They're uneasy about what's going on. So Jesus takes the twelve aside. It says he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Okay, guys, now I know you're getting a little freaked out, but we're headed to Jerusalem. Let me tell you what's going to happen there. This is the third time Jesus has told them about the cross that is coming. And as he lays it out, this is the time that gives us the most... uh, um, understanding of what's going on. He lays it out for us in the best way. Look, he says, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed. Specifics. Son of Man's going to be betrayed. He's going to be betrayed to specific people. The chief priests and the scribes. The scribes were the lawyers. Those who were uh, in control of the law. And those people, the chief priests and the scribes, they're going to condemn him to death. But they're not able to put him to death. So what do they have to do? He tells them next. They will deliver me to the Gentiles. Who was that? The Romans. We know the fellow's name, right? What's his name? Pilate, right? They're going to deliver me to the Gentiles. And when they do, the Gentiles, what are they going to do? They're going to mock him, scourge him, spit on him, and kill him. But Jesus never tells them about all the bad without telling them, about why they can rejoice and why they can head there and why they don't have to be afraid. Because the very next thing he says, and on the third day, he will rise again. He doesn't say he might rise again. He doesn't say maybe things are going to turn out okay. He says, no, you don't have to sweat it. You don't have to freak out about it, guys. All these bad things are coming. But listen, on the third day, I will rise again. Every time Jesus talked about it, He laid out for them the resurrection. We work our way through Scripture. This last week, uh, we had uh, uh, two funerals during the week. Um, We had one on Thursday and we had one on Saturday. And as we uh, minister to folks during during those times of loss, and we come to those those funeral services, we want to share hope. Do you realize that the Bible says that we do not have to mourn as those who have no hope? We do not have to mourn as those who have no hope. Why? Because Jesus made a promise to us in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? 
believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to do what? Prepare a place for you. And if I go, what's He promise? I will come again to receive you unto Myself. That where I am, there you will be also. Now there's a lot of ways you can be received unto Christ. I'm going to tell you at least about one of them. And that is when Stephen is being stoned as the first uh, martyr in the church. He's being killed and as he's being stoned, you remember what happens? He looks up into the heavens and what does he see? Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. To what? For what purpose? He's bringing him home. Jesus promises for each and every individual believer on earth that He's going to bring you home. He's going to bring you... And so He never, he never lays out for us the idea of the struggle, the hardship, the suffering, the pain without also giving us the hope. Paul would write, he would write in the, in the book of Romans, he would say, For I do not consider it worthy to be compared the things that I suffer now with the glory which shall be revealed when I see Jesus face to face. So when we talk about the idea, I want to walk consistently, I want to walk, and we hear Jesus say, look, this road that I'm calling you to follow me on is to the cross. That's the place where you die. Right? Where you die to yourself. Where you die to your selfishness. Where you take up His cross. And you follow Him and you do the things that He's asking us to do. We behave the way He's asking us to behave. We share the the promises that He's given us and the way that He changed our life with others. This that He is calling us to. This is our hope. So Jesus lays these things out for them. It's the way of the cross. It's the only way. When you follow Jesus, uh, nobody's ever going to be able to say, you know, I come and I talk to Jack, and he told me when I come to Jesus, everything was going to be perfect. My life was all going to... Don't hear that from me. But you come to Jesus, you, you just pick the side. You want to have peace? Live in the middle. By the way, the middle, that belongs to the devil. You pick a side, now you got enemies. Now you have friends. Now you have some people you're either going to stand with or betray. But your color is going to be clear now. And that was, that's what Jesus is calling all of us to. Follow me. Follow me. It is the way of the cross. If you got your Bibles with you, just look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. And let's talk a little bit about the way of the cross. What is this way of the cross? Jesus is showing His disciples right now. Here's what's going on, guys. Come follow me. In 1 Peter 2, 21. This this should be the mark of those who follow Him. John, when he said, uh, if you walk after Christ, he says, you ought to walk like He walked. That means, the word walk in the Greek means his manner of life. So your manner of life and his manner of life, they ought to be similar. I'm not talking about perfection, but you right. There was a time in my life where I was not heading in the same direction as Christ at all. And then there's a time in my life where I say, you know what, I'm done with that. I'm following you. And when I follow him, I'm headed to the cross. I'm headed to the same place he went. 
to the same and from the same victory and for the same victory that he fought. So as we come in 1 Peter 2.21, it says, For to this you were called, <clears throat> because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. We want to follow him, right? Jesus said to every one of his disciples, what? Come and follow me. Follow me. Here we go. So as we're following him, he's saying, this is what it looks like. And what's he saying? Just in case you're wondering, you know, am I really called to this? Well, that's what Peter says. Oh, by the way, he was there with Jesus when he taught these things in Mark, right? Peter, you remember him. So here he's saying, for to this you were called. Paul would say it like this. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That the path is not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. It's not easy. But the, the point is, it doesn't have to be done by you. You don't have to walk it in your own strength, and your own power, and your own willpower. What do you have to do? You have to surrender. That's your part. What is your part in this? Surrender. I gotta surrender. I gotta lay down my desire, my will, and I gotta say, Lord, I surrender to you. And then in His Holy Spirit and by His power, you walk the road He lays out before you. And you have victory. No matter what. To this you were called. To this. That you should follow in His steps. Who, in verse 22, committed no sin, nor was deceit found in His mouth. Who, when He was reviled, did not revile in return. (coughs) When He suffered, He did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. He's talking about the path. He's talking about the path of the cross. How do you follow Jesus? He's saying, man, this is the road. This is the way. Look at Jesus. He was not the tough guy. There's a lot of guys got to let the tough guy die. Just let him go. Trust me, you're not that tough anyway. <laughs> I seen a girl uh, fight on UFC that would whoop you all. <laughs> so, just let it go. You ain't that tough. I don't know what he's talking about. Maybe he's not that tough. The little Pillsbury doughboy standing up in front of everybody. <laughs> but hey... Look, you got to let the tough guy go. The tough guy gets in the way all the time. You let that die. You ain't that tough. God sees your heart. He hears your thoughts. He knows. And you're not going to fool him. So let it go. Surrender. Follow Jesus. Come to him. It says in 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. What? Since Christ suffered in the flesh, what's He tell us to do? Arm yourself with the same mind. What's the same mind mean? That that I'm going to suffer in the flesh. Do you know how many times, guys, how many times we catch ourselves going through hard times and we say, God, why? Why has it got to be so hard? Why has it got to hurt so bad? Why has it got to be so difficult? Because that's the path of the cross. If you want easy, get off that path. If you want the real, the power, 
the healing, the touch, the beauty, the majesty, the glory that Paul says can't even be placed in the same vein with the beauty and glory and majesty of Almighty Christ compared to the things that I suffered. You know Paul had a rough, right? You know how many times he was beaten, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I think he goes through it all. All the sufferings he went through, but he says, you know, none of those things matter. None of those things. Far greater than all my suffering is the chance that I have one time to stand before my God and King and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You got one life. That's it. Now in that life, you may get more than one chance. But you got one life. And at the end of it, what would you trade? What sin would you lay down that is so important to you now? What would you cast aside to be able to look into the eyes of your God and King, your Savior, who still bears the scars for His love for you? What would you give? To look Him in the eyes and get to hear that one time for all eternity. Well done. I've met a lot of pretenders in my life. Pretenders that say, you know, i got a goal. You know the difference between pretender and the real deal? The real deal he don't ever have to talk about. He just goes and does it. A lot of kids come through. I, I think it's a crack up. Uh, Little League is probably the greatest example of this craziness. Do you know that there are people in Little League that actually think their kids are going to play in the National League? Hey, put the crack pipe down. <laughs> no, Jackie, what are you talking about? My little one, he's going to make it. Not if you're like that, he ain't going to. You know what the one thing that all the guys playing in the National League in baseball or all the guys in the NFL or the NBA, you know what they all have? They love the game. And why do they love their game? wasn't because their dad was in their ear just screaming and yelling at them about how they need to get to the National League so they can buy me a house. It's because their father taught them a love for the game. And the love for the game drove them to do the hard things that you have to do if you're going to make it. And nobody does it just on raw talent. Nobody. But they do do it for love. Nobody is going to come to that day standing before Christ and it will be on their raw talent that they stand there and Jesus says, well done. How are they going to come to that place? Because they loved Him enough to do the hard things. To let go of all the stuff that's holding them back. And don't you see that's what Jesus is calling these guys to? Let all that stuff go. Let it go away. Have the mind that Christ has. 1 Peter 4.12 Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though some strange thing has happened. But rejoice to the extent <coughs> that you partake of Christ's suffering. That when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. That's exactly what Peter's talking about. That you live your life well, to the point that on that day, when His glory is revealed, when you stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, your joy is exceedingly great. 
You know, the Bible tells us that a lot of us, when we stand in that place on that day, we're going to have the smell of smoke on us. The Bible says they got saved, though as by fire. The flames of hell licking around our feet. Because we're dancing around in the middle. And we may have picked a side, but we're afraid to let anybody else know what side we picked. And so we find ourselves on that day not filled with exceeding joy. Oh, Jackie, what are you talking about? Just getting to heaven will be enough. What's the first thing that God talks about doing to you when you're in heaven? The Lord will wipe? What? Where did them tears come from? Are they tears of joy? Are they tears of sorrow? Hey, it's not going to change how God loves you. My question is, what would you trade for that day? What would you trade to make that day the day where Jesus looks at you in the eye and says, Well done. You, you, did, you, you laid it all out. Was nothing in the world like playing in a sporting event that you have poured out your entire soul to? At the end of the game, there's a couple of football games I coached in years past where the game's over and there were kids literally that I had to carry off the field. They could not walk on their own power, so wiped out. Gave every drop they had. I'll tell you this, they didn't care what the result was. They were satisfied with their effort. I'll also tell you when that's the effort... You win. So they're willing to lay it all out. Give everything. And if I sit down on the end of my bed in the morning as I'm getting up and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the day. I, I don't ever want to think about how can I slack today? How can I... Just keep out of talking to those people. Oh, no, look, I, I'm at Walmart, and the, right down the aisle, there's those guys, you know, they always need something. I'm going to go two aisles the other way. We do it, right? Jesus said, have this mind. Let this mind be your mind. Don't freak out about the fiery trial it's headed toward exceeding joy. Look at 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be, vilig- uh, be vigilant, <clears throat> because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking he- whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that all the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. But may the God of grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's the path of the cross. Path of suffering. A path that's not easy. So what was it that the disciples, how did the disciples feel? Right? They were afraid. It says the, the, the disciples are a little bit afraid. And what else? They had a failure to understand. 
Oh, they don't get it. They don't understand what's going on. In fact, Luke 18.34 tells us, after Jesus said these things, but they understood none of these things. These sayings were hidden from them so that they did not know the things that were spoken. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. They're having a hard time wrestling with what it is that God's trying to tell them. And before we're too hard on them, we all do that. You ever read a section of the Word and sit back and go, Man, what does that mean? How is that any different than the disciples doing what they did with Jesus? They're doing the same thing. What does that mean? What does that mean? What do they need? They need the Holy Spirit to show them, to open their eyes. So how is it that we should come to the Word the same way? Not with my intellectual ability and my own understanding. I'm supposed to come to the Word saying, I need a Holy Spirit to help me, show me, open my eyes. God, you've got to speak this to my heart so I grasp what it is you're trying to tell me. David, later on in his life, going through some hardship, had something to say about the way of the cross. Psalm 51, he said this, You do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit. And a broken and contrite or repentant heart. These, O God, you will not despise. What's David saying? Man, the way of the cross is the broken way. It's a way where your heart's broken and your heart's repentant. It's not the way where you're perfect and you've done everything right and you made all the right choices. But it is the way that is quick to come to the Lord with a broken heart and come to Him who, who said in Isaiah 61, what did He come to do? To bind up the brokenhearted, right? What is Jesus' ministry for you? To bind up your broken heart? To say, try again. Let's go. He's not the the angry father maybe you grew up with or the horrible coach experience you ever had. That's That's not God. God is the one who has given you everything you need to succeed. And when you fall down, He's not yelling. He picks you up, binds you up and says, let's go. Let's go. It's more time. You've got more time. Let's go. Let's see what it is that you want to do. That's the path of the cross. But the path of the cross is also the path of service. Look at Mark 10 again. Mark 10, 35. Then James and John, the son of Zebedee. You guys remember, these guys are the first biker gang, right? Come on. Don't get tired of my jokes. I only got like five of them. So the first biker gang, because they're called the what? Sons Sons of Thunder. You know, they got that name when they were kids, right? Yeah, it's a surname. They, they gave him that name. They watched these two ruffians and they go, Man, them are two sons of thunder right there. I would have liked that when I was a little kid. And that'd be, that'd be a cool thing to be called. I got called way worse names than that. <laughs> so James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and said, Teacher, we, do for, we want you to do for us. See, I, I read it backwards. Does that question not blow your mind? To come to Jesus, I think some of us pray this way. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. You ever had your kids ask you that before? Now listen, uh, Mom, I don't want you to worry about this. Just 
just, I just, you just got to say yes. Oh, that's going to be a bad question. I'm telling you right now. That's going to be a bad question. <clears throat> Jesus, do whatever we ask. So he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in glory. So James and John, Matthew twenty twenty tells us that, that James and John's mother was there too. Her name was Salome. So Salome is there with James and John and, and she's pleading like a good Jewish mom. She's pleading with the rabbi for a position of authority for her kids when the rabbi comes into his glory. The only problem is she has no idea what she's asking, does she? And on that day when she sees him raised up in glory, you think she remembers the question? What about James and John? John was there. You think he looked to the left and to the right of Jesus and said, I had no idea what I was asking. Jesus, give us whatever we ask for, whatever we want. So they lay it out for him. They wanted a place of prominence and a place of power. They, wanted, they were saying to him, look, we are supremely loyal to you. We're with you to the end. So one of us wants to be on the right. And one of us wants to be on the left. But look at Jesus' response to them in verse 38. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup I drink? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? I just want to bring out a couple of things. Drink is an active verb. Baptize is passive. What do I mean? Drink is something you choose. And baptize, that word, is something that is chosen for you. When he talks about drinking the cup, it's always like a, a cup of judgment, suffering, pain. Are you willing to grab the cup of your own free will and say, yes, I will drink it? That's an active verb. You're doing the action. Will you be baptized with the baptism that I'm being baptized with? The word is, is uh, transliteration. You guys know what that means? A transliteration is, it's, it, the word is baptizo in the Greek, and they don't want to translate it, so they just make it English. So they call it baptize. What, what does that word mean? It means to be immersed in. So he's saying, are you willing to, to drink, to, to lay hold of your own free will, the cup of suffering? And are you willing to be immersed in that same suffering by God? Are you willing? Are you willing to drink the cup? Are you willing to be baptized with the baptism which I will be baptized with? Are you willing to be immersed under the suffering that I'm going to be immersed in? And they said to him, we are able... So Jesus said, you will indeed drink. So he's telling them, you're right. You're going to choose to take the cup of suffering. We know that James is the first disciple to die. He, ha he has his head cut off by, by Herod. And John, he just is it's a little tougher than James. He refuses to die. They try to kill him several times. And he, he keeps living through it. I don't know which one had the better deal. But he keeps going. Because Jesus says, you will, you're right. You guys are going to choose to take the cup. You're right. You're, you're going to be immersed in the suffering just like I'm, I'm immersed into. You are going to see that the way of the cross is a way of suffering. But there's more to it than that. 
But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. It is for those to whom it has been prepared. Think about it. What was the greatest moment of glory for Jesus Christ? He told us what it would be. He said, if the Son of Man is lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. When Paul writes about that statement that Jesus makes, what's he refer it to? The cross. Who was on his right and who was on his left? Two thieves. Their place was chosen by someone else. It wasn't something that Jesus could give them. Nor, I think, when they looked at it, were they thinking, Hey, that's where I want to be. But that's the path we want to walk. The path of the cross. <clears throat> the path of the cross. But listen, Jesus is still developing the idea that this path is also a path of service. Right now, they want authority. Right now, they want power. Right now, they want all the stuff that everybody else in the world wants. And we know that. Jesus lays out. And what happens next? It says, when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased. That's Bible jargon for the, they were hot. They were... It, for a moment, all the disciples, they are flipping out. Now, why do you think the other ten are so mad? I'll tell you. Because they didn't think about asking Jesus that first. You, they just a few verses earlier were arguing over who's the greatest, right? So it was in all of their hearts. And they're thinking, man, why didn't we ask Jesus? They got to ask Jesus first. That, that's messed up. They shouldn't get, so they get this big old fight. This big old fight is happening. Jesus heading to the cross. He's talking to them about suffering. He's talking about the resurrection, the hope in the midst of the suffering that they can have. And as they're going along, now there's this big ruckus. And the disciples are in this fray. And they're just going at each other. And so Jesus has to teach them something else. Something else about the way of the cross. It's not run the way the world's run. Look at Jesus' requirements in verse 42. But Jesus called them to Himself and He said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. He says, you know, what you guys are clamoring for is what the world wants. Prestige. Power. Authority. Respect. He says, look, all these things that you're longing for, that's the way of the world. That's not the way of the cross. That's not the way of the walk, the consistent walk. The way of the cross, the way of suffering, is also the way of service. It's not for prestige. It's not to get your name up in lights. It's not to have everybody pat you on the back. Those are natural desires that we have. But they got to be curbed, just like my natural desire to sin. they got to be put away. It's funny, because I've never been anywhere where, where people don't talk about the A crowd and the B crowd. Yeah, you know, the A crowd is whatever crowd you're not in. And the B crowd is whatever crowd you are in. And you want to know how hard it is to get in the A crowd? Most of the time, you just got to walk across the aisle and talk to somebody in the A crowd. And bloop, you're in. But we build up this concept in our heads that it's not that way. That it's not that way. Man, Jackie, I, I, I just really want to be in your crew. I didn't know I had a crew. 
But if you want to be in my crew, I'll call you. I'm about to move. And when I do, trust me, you can be in the crew. <laughs> lots, lots of room in the crew. Lots of room. Man, all, all you got to do to get in there is just say, hey, you might have to wait. I try to talk to everybody who wants to talk to me. You might be stuck three or four or five deep. But it's all right. I'm not uptight. Relax. We'll talk. Oh, Jackie, I just want to go. I want to go backpacking with you. Let me tell you how hard that is. Dick, that wasn't very hard, was it? All you had to do was say, Jackie, let's go backpacking. I said, okay. Guess what we did? Went backpacking. I may never do it again, but I did it. (laughs) The disciples get in their mind all these things, right? That there are this division and I want to climb the ladder of success. And we do that, right? We do that in a church environment. But it's not really there. It's in here, but it's not really there. All we have to do is, is, is be willing to, to, to ask or call or walk across or shake a hand. or The Bible is pretty clear in Proverbs. You want to have a friend? What do you got to be? Friendly. It's not complicated. So we just take care of those things. Man, we can take care of that stuff. So that's all laid out for us. But their minds, they're trying to climb a ladder. And they think, well, the closer I get to Jesus, the more successful I am. And that's why John and James asked for the right and left hand. The closer to Jesus, if we're like the number two guys, then we've, we've essentially become the greatest disciples. So Jesus is going to straighten them out. Listen to what he says. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Don't miss what he said, because we go by that so fast. Whoever wants to be great among you, disciples, will be your the disciples, servant. You want to be the greatest? Start serving each other. That's what Jesus is saying. Start serving each other. Start looking for somebody who feels as lonely as you. You need a hug? Look to give somebody a hug. Serve each other. Love each other. Care about each other. And God's going to do amazing things as He knits us together. He says, whoever desires to become greater among you shall be your servant. And whoever desires to be first shall be slave of... Oh, man, he just went outside the crew. He said, whoever wants to be great, be a slave of all. Slave, that's a harsh word, right? Slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? To serve. And to give His life a ransom for many. So He's back to the way of the cross and the way of the suffering. He says, this is also the way of serving. I didn't come for you guys to serve me. I came to serve you. I came to serve That's supposed to be all of our desires. All of our desires is not to be, what can you do for me? It should be, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I help you? And we're going to succeed and we're going to, and we're going to fail, right? Some days we're going to be sideways and we didn't do a very good job of it. So, so what happens the next day? The Bible tells us the mercies of God are new every morning and we try again. I've got to get it right today. I want to try to serve people. I want to try to serve. 
Every, every once in a while I hear, you know, I've just been serving people a long time and I, I just don't think I, I have anything else to give. Oh, beloved brother and sister, you never had nothing to give in the first place. Whatever you got to give comes from Christ. Man, if you ain't serving in His power and in His love and for His glory and for His majesty, you're missing a boat. So let all that stuff go. That's self, right? That's self saying, I want, I want, I want. Put self down. And say, man, the key to walking the consistent life and taking the way of the cross is also taking the way of the servant. To serve. All. That, the all kind of threw a wrench because I don't mind serving people I, I like to serve. There's a couple people I don't like to serve. But he said, serve all. So I don't get to make that distinction, right? He's calling me. He's asking me. If I'm going to follow him, follow Jesus, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the servant. I'm going to serve. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk the path of suffering. Suffering's going to come. And I'm going to walk the path of serving, looking for people to, to serve, because I'm going to follow the example of Jesus Christ, who came to give his life a ransom for, what was that last word? Oh, it says many. Now, 1 Timothy 2.6 says there is one God and one mediator, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life a ransom for all. What's that mean? We've talked about it before. The, the, the key in the understanding is in the word for. One is in the stead of, and the other is on behalf of. Oh, so let me make it simple for you. The fact that Jesus gave his blood for all means his blood is sufficient to save all. But the fact that he gave his life a ransom for many means it's only effective for those who receive it. The blood of Jesus Christ doesn't save the person unless they receive what he's given. And the story in that, how that is done, is the next part of the scripture. Jesus describing this this way, the walk that Christ called him to. It's not only a a walk of, of, of suffering, a path of suffering, and a path of service. But it's also the path of faith. Look what happens next. It says in verse 46, Now they came to Jericho, and he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. So a lot of people. Jesus coming in through Jericho, pile of people all around him. You know, everybody wants to see Jesus. Jesus' face set to Jerusalem. He's on the path of suffering. He's on the path of service, looking to serve. And as he's walking through, he's going to give us an example of what it is like for those for whom the ransom of the life of Jesus Christ is effective. And he's going to show us the attitude of Christ in the midst of it all. We have this object lesson. So we have a beggar, right? Blind Bartimaeus. What's it say in verse 47? When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. And he began to say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around him said, shut up. That's what it says. The people around him said, be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, let me talk about, I just want you to see the object lesson. 
So we've got the way of suffering, the way of service, and now the way of faith. And we're going to see that example. What does it look like? Who are those for whom who receive the gift that Christ gives? And I think the attitude of those who receive the gift that Christ gives is the attitude of blind Bartimaeus. Who as soon as he recognizes his need, what's his need? He's blind. What else? It says he's begging. So he's got a physical and a financial need, right? So he recognizes his need. We must, if the, if the ransom of Christ is going to be effective for us, you've got to recognize your need. What's my need? I'm broken. I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. I need salvation. I need the touch of Jesus Christ. I need His blood to make me clean. So how do I come to Jesus? The same way He did. Passionately crying out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. God doesn't owe you anything. God doesn't owe me anything. We all come to God on the same basis, His grace and mercy. How's that look? I cry out to God, have mercy on me. You find Him in the Bible. You go ahead, search your way through the Scripture, and find a man who called on the name of Jesus, asking for mercy and grace, and didn't receive it. You're not going to find it. crying out passionately. He wants him. He recognizes his need. I need Jesus. The people tell him to be quiet. He don't care. He needs help. Is that how you come to Christ? Is that how you reach out for Him? Is that how you want Him to speak into your life? Is that how you want Him to empower you? Is that how you want Him to set you free from the bondage that you're in because of your flesh or your own struggles? That you cry out to Him. You don't care who's listening. And you don't care what everybody else is telling you when they say, be quiet, that's lame, that's dumb, it's it's just a crutch, get away from it. Blind Bartimaeus wouldn't listen to any of them. He just cried out all the more. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man and said, well, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. Look how he comes to Jesus. Bart, he's, he's sitting there in the corner and he's crying out, Jesus have mercy. He knows he's somewhere. He's blind. He can't see him. Jesus have mercy. Jesus have mercy on me. People tell him, be quiet. Stop that. I'm not going to stop. I need Jesus more than I need anything else in my life. That's how we come to him. And then when Jesus says, come, he throws aside his cloak and he runs. The blind man throws aside his cloak, and he bolts. He has no idea where he's going. He's not sure how to get there. He's not sure how to go where he needs to go. Throwing aside his garment, he rose, and he came to Jesus. He's running. He's saying, I need you. I need you. I need you. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? That's how we all come to Christ. We don't know what we're doing when we come to Christ, do we? We don't got it all together when we come to Christ. What happens is we finally got to the end of ourselves, and we're pitching away all that stuff and we're saying, look, I, none of this is working. I need you. That's the cry he hears. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the cry. 
blind Bartimaeus is, makes his way to Jesus. It says, so Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Does that sound familiar? Jesus, do whatever we want you to do. Well, what do you want me to do for you? Now he says, <clears throat> what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni. So the, 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 the suffix, I think that's the right word. Is that the, for the end of the word? Danielle, my English teacher? Yes. So the suffix oni is like putting my in front of the word. So Rabboni means literally my master. Or my teacher. So he comes to Jesus, and Jesus said, what can I do for you? And when he comes to him, there's a couple of things. We've, we see the object of his faith. What's, what's blind Bartimaeus' faith in? Jesus. His faith is in Jesus. He wants Jesus. What did he call him? The son of David. That's a title for Messiah. So he says, I believe. You're the Messiah. I need you. I put my faith in you. And he called him my master. You are mine. You are mine. That's what he's saying. I need you. You are mine. Zahau, you come to Jesus. Because if that's not how you come to Jesus, there's not going to be consistency in your life and your worldview. Because what you say is not really who you are. Because when you love Jesus that way, you will go to all the nations and you will tell anybody who wants to hear. Because he's yours. Blind Bartimaeus wants Jesus more than he wants anything else. He calls him my master. He calls him his Messiah. He calls him the the object of his faith. This is the path of faith. This is how it works out. And what happens when he comes to him? Rabboni, my master, that I might see. You guys know that song, Amazing Grace, right? What, what is the physical problem of the man singing Amazing Grace? I was blind. but I was lost too. But the physical. Physically, he's blind. I was blind. But when I come to Christ, what happens? Now I see. When I'm lost, I'm a blind man. When I come to Christ, and He's my all, He's my everything, there's that utter surrender, there's that grasping and holding and clinging to Him, then I have everything I need. Now I can see. Verse 52, Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight. best part of the verse is next. And followed Jesus. On what road? The path of the cross. It was going where? To Jerusalem, where what was going to happen? He was going to die, and in three days, rise again. Blind Bartimaeus wanted to follow Jesus, but he can't follow him if he can't see. you got to be able to see, and he knew, my life is a mess. The greatest thing I can come to, the understanding that I can come to, is that I need Jesus. That's the key to living a life consistent with your faith. That it's not just what you say, but it's how you live. It is who you are. Those are His disciples. And then when Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. And make disciples of every nation. Go tell people about me. Go share your faith. Go love somebody in the name of Jesus. Go sing a song to somebody in the name of Jesus. 
Go watch the eyes of a person that's been forgotten and cast aside. Light up. Because you were willing to walk the path of the cross that cost you something. Because you were willing to live your life as a servant serving others. Because you were willing to cling to Jesus as the most important thing in your life. And the result is consistent walk. Blind Bartimaeus followed Jesus to the cross. Will you follow him too? Amen? Amen. Once you stand with me, let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, Lord God, as we just come before you this morning, Lord God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, God, I just, it's so vital that we are able to, to translate this, this tradition we have. We have a, a, a church tradition, or we have a, a Sunday tradition, and we have... All these things that, that we, we are punching the card and we're, we're doing the list of things that we think we need to do, God. But what you're really looking for is a man or woman willing to utterly surrender to you. To be like blind Bartimaeus that says, I just want you, Jesus. That's it. I just need you. How do I get to you? Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Come to me. Give me what I need. Give me what I need so I can follow you. The disciples wanted what they wanted so they could have authority and position. But that's not the way of the cross. The way of the cross is to follow Jesus. To lay aside all that other stuff and cling to Him with everything that is within me. And to watch you do amazing things with my failures and my successes. To watch you take the mess of my life and make it start to make sense and bring forth fruit. Because we cling to you, because we hold to you, because we came to you, and you are Rabboni, my master. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. So when I say, Lord, Lord, it is so that I might do what you asked me to do, so that I might walk the path of the cross. So that I might walk the path of the servant. So that I might walk that path in faith. And clinging to you. Is all I need. Just clinging to you. God even as we come with a desire to see our world put right side up. And, and for people who are hurting to, to have freedom. And for people who are sick <coughs> to be healed. Lord as we come to you. For all of those things, the key to having whatever we need, not that you'll do what we want, but to have what we need. The power to walk the path laid out before us. The strength to be the man or woman you're calling me to be. It all hinges on being like blind Bartimaeus. You are all I need. I just got to lay hold of you. I gotta put my hands on you. I gotta, I gotta put my hand in your hand. I gotta hold on to you and follow you for all I'm worth from now to the end of the race. And when I do, I'll have that moment in time for eternity where I look into your eyes and I weep tears of joy. And I hear you say to me, well done.
So God, we pray, everyone in this place this morning leaves with a fire in their belly to be the man or woman that you are calling them to be. That you might be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.